Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello, good morning. This is Talking Tourism and I'm today's host, David Reid. Every week, the Tourism Industry Council of Tasmania will be bringing you conversations with the brightest minds in the tourism industry. Tourism Council is the peak body for tourism operators in the beautiful state of Tasmania. Each episode of Talking Tourism deals with specific tourism-related topics, with tips and advice for improving your tourism business and getting ahead in the visitor economy. You might be listening to this outside of Tasmania, and if so, welcome, because the content of these podcasts are relevant for your tourism business wherever you're based. Today, I'm speaking with Alison Anderson. Alison, welcome and good morning. Good morning. You manage Tourism Tasmania's research and insights program. You love all things Tasmania. I'm going to read a bit here about you. You love research, product development, destination development. You've built on a consulting career of managing customer research programs for operators in Tasmania and North Queensland, and you've previously served on the board of Events Tasmania and Wet Tropics World Heritage Area Consultative Committee. You've provided expert consultative advice on a range of tourism development strategies. You have a PhD in urban design and tourism and a master's in urban and regional planning. You are also an associate of the University of Tasmania, but I've also got to say, you were very good when I used to know you in Strawn. So were you. <laughs> so after, after that, we're going to solve a problem, which is data-driven decision-making is a pathway to success. So Alison... What do we know about what tourists like to do when they come to Tasmania? Well, we know quite a lot about that. Uh, We do, at Tourism Tasmania, we do uh, a huge range of research uh, on our visitors, uh, both prior to them coming, our markets to understand who might come, as well as thinking uh, when when people actually come to Tasmania, tracking their movements, uh, asking them about what they spend, where they have enjoyed visiting and so forth. We know a lot about when people are coming, so we know that there's a definite seasonality in Tasmania, but it's it's changing. Um, as we speak, we're, we have dark mofo operating down the road and that's attracting a lot of people, the Hue and Midwinter Festival and uh, Whiskey Week and a number of other fantastic initiatives that operate throughout the winter is definitely impacting our numbers. So we know that uh, people are actually starting to think about Tasmania as a winter destination. Uh, we know where people are going. So we know that Hobart does uh, uh, bring in the majority of our visitors and that the majority of our visitors do stay at least one night in Hobart. Uh, But we also know that Hobart is a gateway uh, to encouraging regional dispersal. So it's encouraging people to go out and, and visit other parts of Tasmania, which is really important as well. Uh, we know that Most of our visitors come from Victoria, uh, New South Wales next, Queensland, uh, and the direct flights uh, from South Australia and Perth are starting to have some impact on visitation from those places as well. 
Um, at an international level, our biggest market is China uh, and they do stay longer and spend more uh, than other international visitors. Uh, second to them is uh, visitors from the United States. Hong Kong next, uh, then I think we've got the UK and New Zealand. So, uh, But that's starting to get down to quite small numbers because there's only about uh, 300,000 visitors internationally a year coming in compared to about a million uh, domestic visitors. So they're the sort of things. So, so that's just visitors, but those are some of the things that we know about the people who are coming. So can I? Can we, can we uh, shape this conversation, Alison, around the broader stuff that you've started with now and then will slowly drive right down into the nitty-gritty bits and pieces of how it might sure. work for me. Yeah. So tell me, um, one question I had was, you said the the majority of people have one night in Hobart? I thought oh, at av- least one night in at Hobart, least. I sorry. thought the average yeah. length of stay was considerably greater oh, for Hobart. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, sorry. Okay. No, uh, that, that, the majority of people don't have one night. They have at least one night in yeah. Hobart. So we see that the gateway cities, um, Hobart and Launceston and Devonport to some extent, all attract uh, a, a, a stay from people when they first arrive. Uh, and that's, they're critically important, those hubs, to pushing people out to and, the regions. And is, um, is Hobart Airport growing at a greater rate than Launceston or is Launceston outgrowing... What's the rate of growth for those two at the moment? Uh, I don't know, actually. Oh, okay. Because I, uh, okay. I, I understood that Hobart was still growing at a faster rate than Launceston Airport. So when we look at, at, at whether the business is as Tas- of Tasmania is a Hobart-centric business or a Launceston business or, or how much – for example, can I ask you, what's the relative importance nowadays of the two ships with the TT line? Well, uh, the Spirit uh, delivers about 11% of our visitors at the moment and we know that there's some new ships in the wings. I'm not sure when they're going to be delivered, but when they are delivered, uh, they'll be slowly ramping up their capacity. Uh, So it's not just a case of uh, the the fact that the the visitor numbers that are coming in on those boats, it's also the characteristics of those visitors. They're more likely to be self-drive, of course, uh, and they're probably probably likely, well, certainly spirit visitors now stay longer and go more places and ultimately because they're staying longer, they spend more in the state as well. Uh, so so they're quite important, I guess, to um, our yield and dispersal plan to get people to spend more time out in the regions and to spend more money in the regions um, of Tassie. Uh, whereas Hobart, uh, certainly people aren't dispersing when they're coming into the city of Hobart, they're not dispersing as much. Certainly people will come in for a, a few days, a few nights stay and then leave again. Um, but uh, the return visitation that, that can elicit, if, if we manage that well in Hobart, we can actually elicit longer stays for the next stay. So sometimes people will come to Hobart as a taster and then they'll be thinking about coming for a longer stay because they can see how big the state is and how much more there is to experience. So a short stay that's focused on Hobart isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just a different characteristic of visitor. Sure. Mm. Uh, um, how are we going, Tasmania? Um, is uh, New South Wales growing faster than us? How's South Australia going? How are, I mean, we're a tiny little player in Australia, mm. tiny little player in the world. Here we are, a little island at the bottom of the globe. How are we going? Because we just see people coming in. And we think mm. that's great. But the numbers of people coming in, if people are going elsewhere in much bigger droves, 
are we are we growing at the same level as everyone else? Is this a is this a national phenomenon, or is it just that we're doing so jolly well? We are doing pretty well. Uh, international national arrivals and international arrivals have been growing for a long time across Australia and globally, uh, but we are seeing a slowdown in that globally and across Australia, and we're certainly seeing uh, a drop off as we think about our forecasting looking forward. Uh, we're thinking it's not a drop off in visitor numbers as such, but maybe a slowing in growth. Yes. Uh, we, it's a really difficult to compare our growth to any other state in Australia because we have the absolute blessing of the Tasmanian Visitors Survey. The other states can't measure their visitors very accurately. They've got multiple entry points across different borders. Uh, what, Por- what, porous borders, as someone went. Porous borders, porous that's, borders. that's exactly right. Ours, we, we know there's only uh, five different places to come in uh, and so it's, and we measure all of those and so it's a lot easier for us. From an international perspective, though, what we can see is that Tasmania has probably been batting above its weight. Is that punching above its weight uh, compared one to the those. rest of Australia? Yeah, one of those. Uh, when, when you compare it to the rest of Australia. So we have actually had pretty strong growth and uh, certainly the research supports that. Uh, we differentiate ourselves a lot better uh, compared to the other states. Um, so we are considered to be different to the rest of Australia. So... Um, getting some real estate in the minds of uh, international visitors that is specific to us rather than uh, just the broader rest of Australia uh, is a, is really beneficial for us. So people being able to differentiate between Melbourne and Sydney uh, is is uh, it's, it's a lot harder for people to differentiate that Victoria versus New South Wales uh, compared to Tasmania. So we're not doing too badly, but we can probably see that there could be some slowing going on. Um, Still growth, just not as steep as it has been. Mm. Yeah, I I read only this week um, some major decline in international air passenger seats. Don't know whether you were reading that, but anyway, yeah, big big decline in in certain, certain routes around the world. So yes, uh, well, there's a big shortage of aircraft. There's yep. a big shortage of people to fly the aircraft, uh, and that is going to take some time to rectify. And certainly within Australia, just from a domestic perspective, just the competition to secure those routes, uh, it's all oxygen stealing. So if we grab a, a you know a, a route that will go maybe from Adelaide to Hobart, uh, it might be at the expense of Sydney to Darwin or something like that. So there's uh, there's all these trade-offs that the airlines are having to make and it's all about profitability and, and load factors and things like that. So yeah, uh, but it does impact us having to compete in that way um, with the rest of Australia. So, Alison, the, if if um, if I'm a tourism operator on the East Coast, which I happen to be, <laughs> um, I'm pretty keen to understand how valuable the locals are too. Well, so, yeah. uh, do you keep a, a good handle on what the Tasmanians are doing? You also. Just, just to reinforce this question, it was like saying, well, you, we're talking about the Festival of Voices and the Midwinter Festival I think you mentioned earlier. Mm. Is that an awful lot of Tasmanians turning out all of a sudden and putting on their beanies and off they go for a mulled wine? Is that, is, is that what we're seeing? Well, I don't have all of the figures for each of the festivals, so I'm not entirely sure what their mix is in terms of visitors versus locals. Uh, what we do have, so uh, just a brief... Um, 
overview of our program, we collect the Tasmanian Visitors Survey, which is an exit survey of people leaving um, Tasmania. Uh, we, collect, we also work with Tourism Research Australia, who conduct both the International Visitors Survey, which is where I get got the information that I was talking about earlier, and then the National Visitors Survey. Now, the rest of the states rely on the National Visitors Survey, which is a telephone uh, survey of people to ask them where they travelled in the last few months uh, and that's how people get an understanding, how Tourism Research Australia gets an understanding of how people are moving within Australia uh, and we don't use that obviously because we have the Tasmanian Visitors Survey but the National Visitors Survey... Is the NVS survey, accurate? Uh, for Tasmania, it's not accurate in terms of how many visitors uh, travel to Tasmania. We don't use it at all uh, because the sample sizes are so small. So just the sheer numbers that are going to Melbourne and uh, and Sydney are overshadowing our sample size and we just don't have nearly enough sample size. But what the NVS is accurate for is it samples Tasmanians and it has a minimum sample size. Don't ask me what it is because I can't remember, but it's it's <laughs> robust. Uh, <laughs> and uh, And... And that has, it has a good enough sample size per year that it can actually measure how, how many nights people are travelling within the state right. for. So we know that intrastate visitation has been doing very well. So because tourism's been doing very well, the economy's doing uh, has been doing very well, people have a bit more money, people are thinking about travelling a lot more and they can see that Tasmania's competing so well on the national and international stage and so they're starting to want to experience these things for themselves. We think that people are starting to book a lot further in advance to get ahead of the tourists, especially in the summer months. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people would know that they're going to be booking their holiday in January way before um, uh, the crowds or the, you know, people in Melbourne will be thinking of doing it. So they make sure they get that shack on the East Coast or that nice place to stay. Um, and so what we're finding is that our TVS results might show that we have maybe some... Um, slowing in growth, for example, or even decline on, say, the East Coast. But the East Coast is absolutely heaving. And then we look at the National Visitor Survey and we can actually see that that's into intrastate people from the rest of Tasmania coming in to fill some of those beds. Um, well, one of the key things that you must be seeing is what are people doing in Tasmania? So you also understand from the TVS their activities mm. um, and we used to be very involved in colonial architecture and heritage. Yes. And it was really important. And what are people doing today? What are they seeking? Well, we know from our marketing research, so we do a whole another set of research, which is actually online panel research over uh, in the rest of Australia, asking people what uh, things they look for in their holidays and then how we uh, perform, Tasmania performs against our competitors. So we uh, have a, a good list of what people are actually looking for from their holidays and then how we index against our competitors for that. So the number one thing is having a lot to see and do. We are reasonable on that, but we could probably do a bit of work on, on communicating all the great things that we have to um, see and do here in Tasmania. Uh, but second is great nature and wilderness. Uh, so that's an absolute prime driver for 
uh, visitation to Tasmania and particularly the unique wildlife uh, from an international perspective. We've had anecdotal research and I think uh, we're starting to get some uh, bigger research suggesting that the wildlife uh, interacting with wombats on Mariah Island, for example, and seeing um, Tasmanian devils, uh, for example, are some key things that people really are seeking from their experiences here. So um, heritage, um, history and heritage is still... Uh, important, uh, but it is not at that same level uh, that, uh, and, and bagging the icons as well, of course. So the um, going to see Wine Glass Bay, which has been on many top 10 beaches in the world lists and things like that in the past, um, and Cradle Mountain, which is an iconic place uh, to see here in Tasmania, uh, to, to go and have a look at those bucket list items, uh, sort of a, a factoring into the sort of nature and wildlife experience. Uh, increasingly, though, we're seeing uh, a real attachment to our fantastic food and wine uh, and beverage, actually. I won't say wine because obviously we have so many other fantastic beverages, um, our beers and our... Um, uh, whiskies and gins and vodkas and so forth. Uh, so getting on so many uh, uh, hatted lists and uh, gourmet traveller guides and uh, being on television shows and things like that is really helping our reputation as well. So it does Salamanca, when you and I worked together many years ago, we were working in Strawn. And Strawn would empty on a yes. Friday night. Yes, yes. And mm. I think the East Coast used to empty on a Friday night because there would be this mass yes. exodus of the regions to come to Hobart to Salamanca Market. Is that still the case? It is. Is it really? <laughs> yes, it is. Sorry. I knew that was the first part of your question before I forgot to answer. But uh, Mount Wellington, uh, Salamanca, Mona, uh, our top three attractions visited in Tasmania. We only measure attractions that we have some sort of interest in. So Mona's probably a bit of an anomaly there, but, um, uh, but anything that we have a state government funding level of interest in, I guess. So Port Arthur we would measure and national parks and so forth. But uh, attractions such as Bridistow Lavender Farm, because it's a private entity, we don't measure that. So I don't know if there are other attractions that might be getting more nu greater numbers than that, but I suspect uh, Salamanca's dominating. You're exactly right. Salamanca is an, uh, it influences the way people travel around Tasmania. Not to come here, but how they, uh, how, how they do Tasmania. Yes, that's exactly okay. right, yes. Can I come back to Mona? I, I believe, um, having been an operator for a long time, that we were a, a, on a static growth platform before Mona opened and it gave us an enormous fillip, a big, a big buzz for quite some time. And I remember... Um, a number of statistics being promoted saying that um, it was a key driver for visitors to Tasmania um, over that period, let's say the last five, seven years. Is it still the case? Is it, is it still a big driver? Is it still getting people out of Sydney and Melbourne and internationally to come to Tasmania because they've heard of it? Yes, it is. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I 
do have to say, though, that correlation versus causation, when you're having a look at the statistics, there's actually a, a proper... Uh, almost, there's really a decline in Tasmania prior to the opening of Mona. Yes, it was, wasn't um, it? Yes, um, but it did open. But if you think about the global financial crisis was in 2008, uh, by 2012 was about the time people were starting to travel again anyway. So I think I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away from Mona, but I think there may have been a number of factors that contributed to our fantastic increase at that time. Mona was absolutely a key factor, but I do think people had more disposable income and were more inclined to travel at that time. Uh, We did notice some really interesting uh, return visitation figures just after the opening of Mona as well. So our return visitation sits usually around sort of at the moment in the sort of early to mid 60s. So 64%, something like that, but it went up to 69% in the year after Mona opened. Uh, And we do think that probably people were revisiting particularly to check it out. Uh, But even now we know that it's a key driver. And when we look at our markets and we're thinking about what people are seeking out of their experiences, we've really divided uh, our, our markets for Tasmania into two key categories, those who are seeking reconnection with themselves and loved ones and uh, enrichment through experiencing nature and um, really sort of earthy experiences. Uh, but also there's this other market that we play in and we're, we're competing with Canberra and the Hunter Valley and this is much um, higher flying uh, arts and cultural scene uh, who love fine dining and love good beverages and those sort of things. And so we do have two distinct markets and Mona really speaks to that market in particular. This is fascinating because we're now seeing you discussing the statistics as a marketer, not as a research analyst. No. (laughs) But you are. You're you're using the language, aren't you? Mm. So is is Tourism Tasmania now managing their marketing based on a lot more research and a lot more understanding of the potential client base and who we're talking with and why and for how long? Yes, yeah, absolutely. So I was brought on uh, to work for Tourism Tasmania two years ago, almost exactly. Uh, Prior to that, uh, we had a much smaller team um, that was really just about reporting figures. Uh, We've got a a much bigger team now uh, that I lead and we consider... uh, We've, we've undertaken an enormous segmentation project, as you're aware. Uh, we've uh, certainly looked much more scientifically at how we approach our marketing and our measurement of that and effectively targeting the right people at the right time and the right people who are actually going to uh, spread out throughout Tasmania and spend their money. Uh, so I guess I've been at the helm of introducing that uh, into Tasmania and to Tourism Tasmania and I've really loved it. It's great. Oh, great stuff. Mm. Okay, Alison, that's from the that's from the state point of view, the the big picture stuff. Okay, now I want to start a restaurant at um, oh, pick a place. I don't know, doesn't matter. Somewhere, somewhere, you know, lower along. Cockle no, no, Creek, she- Sheffield. Oh, <laughs> Sheffield. Try Sheffield. Okay, love Sheffield. Okay, I, I wanted to start something. How I come along and think, okay, I need to start a business, and I'm an entrepreneurial sort of a fellow. This sounds really good to me. Where do I go and get my stats from to see whether this is a good idea or not? And can anybody help me or do I just have to sort of fumble around myself? 
Well, absolutely. The first place we we get a lot of calls actually. So we have. Uh, what's it called now? Research at tourism.tas.gov.au. So uh, for statistics inquiries. Can you please say that again? Research at tourism.tas.gov.au. Because that'll, I reckon it'll get a couple of hits. <laughs> Keep going. <Yeah. laughs> uh, so that's our, that's our uh, inquiries inbox. So if you have any specific inquiries, it's, it's a good idea to send to us. But there's a couple of other places you can so go can I, can I can I send a note tomorrow? Yes. About what I want to do. I think you did last week, David, actually. Yeah, and yeah. you uh, – <laughs> well, that's secret. It's not to be podcast everywhere. Otherwise, they'll all know what I'm – about my new Sheffield uh, – restaurant at Sheffield. Um, but let's say um, – uh, will, will they – they will get a tailored response. Uh, 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 you want to do this? I suggest you – if you want a restaurant, I suggest you look at X, Y and Z. Is that what's going to happen? Yes, absolutely. So we don't give business advice and we no. don't uh, advise – so we have a, a lot of caveats around what we offer and to make sure that people understand the nature of what we're – what kind of information we can give. Sometimes we can't answer people's questions, which is okay too, but the first place that we would send any business operator of any type who was thinking about establishing or redeveloping would be to the regional tourism organisation. So they are the first port of call uh, to uh, talk through all of the support that's available, the local plans that are available. Certainly there's some... um destination action plans that are uh, situated across the state and so there'll be certain priorities of the local tourism associations and the regional tourism associations and they're really focused on that product development side of things. And so the regional uh, tourism association organisation, so Cradle Coast in uh, the case of Sheffield, uh, would uh, be able to sit down and Uh, have a chat and talk about the broader landscape of what's going on. If you wanted to just go and get some basic stats on Sheffield and the number of visitors that go past or how many people are staying in Cradle, what your latent demand might be, those sort of questions uh, could be answered through TVS Analyzer to some level. Now, I I just have to say, I don't love the TVS Analyzer. I'm working quite hard on making it a lot better for people. So there's a lot more data for people to access, uh, but that you can access that through the Tourism Tasmania corporate website and you can actually go in and just have a bit of a play around with the stats just to get some basic understanding of what people are doing. Okay. And that also goes into what people are doing as well as how long they stay and where they're staying in places they visit and how many actually go to Sheffield. Yes, that's exactly right. right. And we have a an uh, average spend per night as okay. well, which is also really important. So we're still doing a lot of work. One of the flaws in our research is that we don't know exactly where people spend money. So when people are leaving Tasmania, we ask them, how much they spent on their entire trip uh, and then we'll average that out over the number of days that they've stayed but we don't know if the majority of that money was spent in Sheffield or in Devonport, for example. Uh, so we're working on some new strategies to learn that but we don't know that yet. You're disarmingly frank, Alison, <laughs> about what we know and what we don't know. Well, you have to be when you're in research. You have to acknowledge your limitations because there's, there's no point in doing it otherwise but we're working hard on making it better. Data-driven decision-making is the topic for today with, with Alison Anderson. So, Alison, I, I'm, I've, I've tried to give you a small example of a restaurant in Sheffield. How often is your group of people in tourism being questioned by, the, by industry 
about data for making their decisions. Is it uh, 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 is the industry getting involved with you a lot? Yes. Absolutely. We do get quite a lot. We have a person whose whole job is to field these inquiries uh, and uh, she is absolutely fantastic at sourcing the various uh, people that she needs to get the understanding and, and we have quite, we have uh, Will Barber from RAC will be contacting us, you will be contacting us and then we will have a, a person who wants to start up a distillery in Bishano, for example, contacting us as well. And we will just be one one port of call and on a broader journey for them. Uh, so yeah, we probably, especially at this time of year, uh, we probably get about um, we get a lot more right now because people are doing tourism awards submissions and they like to use our figures to help them with that. So that, that's a, so we get inquiries for a whole range of reasons. Master planning at Freysenae and Cradle Mountain generated a lot of inquiries for us as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, so it's not just small businesses. Everybody uses our data for various reasons. Mm. So... The TVS has been going for how many years? About 30. 30? Yes. Does it need a tweak? Is it okay? Does it need help? It's been tweaked quite a lot over the years. Uh, we're looking, at, obviously, in this age right now, we have a lot of uh, comp- what we call complementary data sources. So they're other sources of data that might be able to give us a better understanding. So we're starting to look at some different uh, mechanisms. So uh, tracking people on their mobile phones, for example, uh, to see exactly where people are going. Because the Tasmanian Visitor Survey only asks about a set list of places where people visit. Uh, It doesn't identify if a new place is coming online that gets a lot of visitors for some unknown reason. Uh, So we're starting to look at different ways of doing that. So the TV is constantly under review. It had a really big review when I first came on board two years ago. Uh, We have tweaked it and we're trying to slim it down and we're trying to push it to an online version, Uh, but I'm not sure. We're we're still in the user experience testing side of that. You mentioned the where people go. There was a a project a few years ago with the university, Dr Anne Hardy. Uh, do you work closely with the university about those sort of issues? Yes, absolutely. Anne's a good and old friend of mine. Uh, we sit down and talk about this She's a not old and nor are you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but uh, the, the two of us sit down and think about this quite a lot. We're working, we're really uh, working to look at the tourism tracer. Uh, we're hoping that that's going to be an option for us in the near future too. And so we're just critically evaluating whether that's going to help us or not understand more about our visitors. If we're looking at data-driven decision-making, tell me what you're finding out about the future visitor. So you have been researching all the people that have been here. You're trying to find out how much they spend, what they do, what their interests are, and you then speak to them after they've travelled here to understand whether we have fulfilled their requirements and their um, desires. So... What is in the mind of the future visitor to Tasmania in the next few years or will it all be virtual reality and they won't need to come? Uh, 
I really hope that's not the case. (laughs) So I think uh, a lot of the research that we're finding, uh, so we've done an enormous amount of research in setting up our segments in the last couple of years. And so we're getting to know our audience pretty well. Uh, Some people might know uh, and others might not that we are launching a new brand uh, platform for Tourism Tasmania in the next six months. uh, And that will be definitely focused on uh, meeting the needs of these target audiences and thinking about how Tasmania can meet the needs. Uh, And particularly the idea of detoxifying uh, and de-digitising their lives and actually stepping away from the crazy, hectic, mad lives that particularly a lot of our metro market, and most of our market is metro, so Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, all the the cities are where a lot of our visitors are coming from, that that people are actually seeking to uh, get away from all of that and come to a place that feels natural, trustworthy and safe. And Tasmania can offer a complete counter structure to their everyday lives. And that's what what people are looking for. So I actually think that the very opposite, that no one would want to look at a screen to experience Tasmania more, uh, what they really need is the feeling that being immersed in our beautiful natural environment uh, can give them, and in fact our cities as well. So my theory for the last 30 years is right. The less we do, the more attractive we'll be. Maybe. So if we we stay here just as a a small little lovely island at the bottom of the world that is relatively unpolluted and we look after it properly – then more and more people will be coming because it's becoming more and more um, desirable. Absolutely. And one of the key things that came out of our brand work, uh, we worked, uh, did, we Tourism Tasmania did a small piece of brand work next to the larger brand Tasmania work last year. Uh, and the idea of us being beige resistant uh, and being uh, resisting the push of um, over commercialisation was a really big deal both for Tasmanians and how we feel about our state but also about how we think others perceive us and that would be that is reflected in in what our markets are seeking. The word genuine comes into the fray. And authentic. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I want, yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well they're old phrases and they've been used a lot but that is actually who we are and that's what we really have still in our um, and in our repertoire. That's what we have that makes us different at the moment. So, Alison, I've got one question for you. Out of all the different marketing schemes that we've we've invested in over the years, and all of the research that's been undertaken, what is the biggest takeout that you've got? Oh well, absolutely. One of the most interesting things that I've found since I've been working at Tourism Tasmania is uh, probably not a surprise to a lot of people uh, that advocacy, uh, people actually sharing their experiences and talk both through social media and talking in person has the biggest impact on it, on people deciding whether to take a holiday or not. And I think, you know, we, we can go out and we can market and we can do what we can, but for us to provide a fantastic experience for people while they're on the ground is going to be one of the key and and to people who are giving people an opportunity to share that experience as well is going to be one of the key ways that we can actually advertise our state to others. So this is Word of mouth, as it used to be called, but it's now a digital word of mouth. Both. Uh, sitting down and having a chat with your friends uh, as much, but obviously digital word of mouth has quite a large impact because you're talking to 
massive potentially of hundreds here. or thousands of people at one time, depending okay. on how many friends you have. <laughs> Alison, we're going to run out of time soon. I wanted to say thank you so much for coming in today and having a discussion with us because we've learnt so much about um, what our historical data is showing us what your data can show to a potential investor or a, an operator, whether they wish to new business or just refresh their business, and possibly what is going to be in the pipeline for us coming up in a few years' time. So I want to say thank you very much for coming. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening. I hope you got some great value out of our conversation with Alison today. If you enjoyed today's show, tell your tourism colleagues to take a listen as well. Thanks for listening. See you next week with our next episode. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.